Were you blessed to see the student choir there tonight? Amen. We're so thankful for these and their growing and leading worship as a choir. We're thankful. Thank you, David, for your leadership in that. Uh, for some time now, I have uh, wanted us to take an evening and set it aside for prayer. And so tonight, um, we're going to do that. Uh, some time ago, it's probably been a year or so now, uh, we had what I introduced to you as a concert of prayer. And it was simply a guided prayer time where we took uh, some direction from God's Word and I basically prompted you uh, how to pray about something and then you prayed. And we spent our time together praying in that way and, and we have some things we need to pray about as a church and so tonight I want us to take some time to do that together. Now, all I'm going to ask you as your pastor and if you're a guest tonight as your new friend, all I'm going to ask you to do tonight is to play hard. And you say, well, um, I, don't, uh, I don't pray out loud or pray in public. That's okay. You'll be in a large enough group. Somebody surely will be able to pray in that group. So don't worry about that. No one's going to make you pray or embarrass you. But I do want to encourage you to play hard. And you say, well, Pastor, why do I have to play hard? Because I'm going to ask you to get up and move in a few moments. And so these uh, pews are not conducive for just getting up and mixing around, but I, I'm going to need you to mix up, and, um, and we won't do it too many times, but we are going to change our seats a couple times, and in that way, um, create an atmosphere that's conducive to prayer by us being able to pray with other folks. A concert of prayer is simply a guided prayer time, and if you go back and look at our history as a nation, uh, concerts of prayer were quite common. Uh, often, uh, a whole area might have a community-wide concert of prayer where monthly uh, believers would gather together in a community and pray over the needs of that community. Uh, other times they might call for a national day of prayer or when there was some conflict or some crisis facing a nation or a church, they would do that. And we're not facing a particularly acute crisis tonight, but we are facing some needs that I believe is a church that we need to pray about. And so we have worshiped the Lord, and now we're going to speak to him as a congregation, and we're going to uh, pray and seek his face uh, for a period of time. So I'm grateful that you've come. This is a very important time in the life of our church. You know, Jesus said that of all the things that our church could be known for, he said that my church, my house, my father's house should be known as what? A house of prayer. And so churches have a reputation for different things. But how many churches do you know that have a reputation for being a house of prayer? And I want Wynn Baptist Church to be a church that has that reputation. And so tonight, I want to encourage you to play hard. The first couple of things that we're going to do is I'm going to put a, we'll have a, a scripture up on the screen. Uh, take a look at it when the time comes. And then I'm going to read it and guide you in how to pray in response to it. The first couple of scriptures are going to be private, individual praying. Uh, the first one that we'll put up on the screen, go ahead and bring that one up. It says, O magnify the Lord with me. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads, if you would, and just take a moment and praise him out loud for who he is. Now you may just speak it very quietly under your breath, or you may want to say it loud enough so they can hear you in the balcony or down on the floor. 
But take a moment to praise him out loud for who he is, one characteristic or quality that makes him great. So let's pray. inhabits the praises of his people. I want you to see another passage of scripture on the screen. Isaiah 118. Come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Now I'm not going to ask you to confess your sins aloud, but privately and quietly, let's take a few moments of silence before the Lord, and would you simply confess to him and ask him to wash you clean as we have this prayer time. Let's pray. I'd like you to get in groups of three, groups of three, go.
Groups of three, that's one, two, three. Groups of three. Okay, close enough, close enough. Groups of three, all right. The next scripture I want to read is found in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. It should be on the screen, and it is. I have been crucified with Christ, Paul says. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Every believer can confess that as a fact that the Lord Jesus Christ, the same Lord Jesus who died on the cross 2,000 years ago, lives inside of you. The same Jesus who performed miracles, the same Jesus who knew all truth, the same Jesus who was the very Son of God, who bore our sins, he lives in you. And so with your partners, would you pray and ask him to teach us how to rely on his presence and power in our lives? Let's pray. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12, King Jehoshaphat was facing a vastly superior military force that was coming against Judah. He began to pray, and when he prayed, this is what he said, O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power 
against this great multitude that is coming against us. That's a confession. Nor do we know what to do. That's another confession. But our eyes are upon you. And originally when I had cast this, I thought in terms of praying about our place in our nation, and we certainly need to pray about that. But you know, on a personal level, many of you here and many of us are facing forces that are beyond our control. Uh, tonight, um, we have some dear ones in the hospital, uh, members of our church family. I talked to Don McLean this afternoon, and he just needs a diagnosis, and he's having heart trouble, and he's in an ICU as we pray tonight. Uh, spoke to Charlene Nicholson, and uh, she's also uh, waiting heart surgery, but she needs some other things to happen. They don't have it scheduled, and, and I could go on and on. At any given time, we have people with serious needs like that. And when that, when that time comes, we don't have any idea what we're supposed to do except to wait on the Lord and look to Him. So would you lift these loved ones up? Dustin Clegg is at home tonight. He's also ill and um, uh, has been in a lot of pain. And we could just, there's countless others. But in your group, would you pray for these? Would you pray for yourselves, for any of you who are facing uh, overwhelming um, challenges? like Jehoshaphat was, and would you lift one another up? Let's pray together.
slide. I'm going to ask your group, whatever number it turned out to be, I'm going to ask that your group would join with one other group and form a new group. Okay, so your group, just like it is, join with another group, just like it is. Theoretically, it'd be groups of six. Groups of three coming together into groups of six. And that'll probably be the last time I ask you to move, so you'll be in this group the remainder of the evening. Let everybody get settled. Thank you for playing hard. In Matthew 16, verse 18, when Peter made his great confession, Jesus responded and said, I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, what he had just said, that thou art the Christ. He said, on this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Where are the gates of the enemy in the delta? There's a kind of lostness in the delta that has been sustained for decades by poverty, by social division, by hopelessness that many experience. And I believe that Jesus is saying here that when he is building his church, meaning when we are properly related to him, that we will go outside the walls of our building and wherever the gates of the enemy have stood, I don't care how long they've stood, that those gates cannot stop the advance of the church. And so I'm going to ask you in your group, to take just a moment and share what comes to mind when you think of the enemy's gates in the delta that need to come down. And then would you pray, not just for our church, but for all the churches in the delta that name Jesus as Lord, that they would advance and pull down those gates. So talk amongst yourselves for just a moment and then pray that God would send the church to pull those gates down. Let's pray.
And if you're not quite done, let me add something else for you to pray about. In Ephesians 6:19, the Apostle Paul says, And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. We have missionaries who call wind home. And we have missionaries from the United States serving all over the world. And we have missionaries serving North America who tonight are trying to start churches and reach people for Christ in the lost cities of our nation. And so would you pray that God would give them a supernatural effectiveness in their ministry? Because that's what he's praying for, that God would give him utterance, that God would give him something that would be powerful. So pray for our missionaries. Pray for the Bolins. Uh, pray for the Langstons. Pray for the others that come to mind. And uh, let's pray together. chapter 15, verses 17 through 18, we have the story of the prodigal son. The Bible says that something happened to the prodigal when he ran out of his dad's money and he didn't have anything left to run away from God with. The Bible says, but when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants 
have bread enough and to spare, I will perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. So something had changed in this young man's heart. I want you to see what happened by going to another passage of Scripture. Hosea chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Hosea was married to a former prostitute. And she was not faithful to Hosea. And she was running from her husband. And she was running from God. And listen to what God says he's going to do. Therefore, behold, I will hedge up your way with thorns and wall her in so that she cannot find her paths. She will chase her lovers but not overtake them. Yes, she will seek them but not find them. Then she will say, I will go and return to my first husband. Does that sound familiar? That's what happened to the prodigal. And God brought him and brought her to a place to where they were both incredibly dissatisfied with the life that they had been choosing without God and without their family. And right here tonight, I know that there are men and women who have loved ones. You have a sibling or you have a son or you have a, a daughter who is running from God or who does not know God. And so in your groups, I'm just going to ask you simply to mention their first name. You don't have to talk about them or say anything about them. Just mention their first name and then would you as a group pray for these prodigals that God would do for them what he did for that young man and what he did for Gomer. Let's pray.
Amen. Let me ask you to look up here for just a moment. I'm going to ask David and the worship team to join me on the platform. We are going to have a time of response tonight, and I'm going to lead us into that time of response by reading the scripture that's on the screen, Psalm 73, verse 26. And it says, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Those of us that know Christ tonight, we can thank God that when we lead this season of prayer, we know that God has heard the cry of his people and that he is with us and that he will not abandon us and that he is going to work and he is going to be active because we have called on him and we are not relying on ourselves. And as we have this response time, it is truly a time to thank him and to rejoice. You might have come tonight, however, and you don't know him. You have actually been a part of these prayer groups and you have heard believers pray. And you've thought, I want to know God like that. I want to know a God who hears when his people call on him. And you need to know tonight that coming to know God is something that he made possible through Jesus Christ. That by sending his son into this world, he provided a way for you to know him. Sin separates every human being from God and from knowing him. But Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, removing the barrier that keeps us from entering into a relationship with God. And God did that. We don't do that. God does that for us. And the Bible says that if you will call on him and put your trust in Christ to forgive you and to save you, he will do that. And so in just a moment, when we stand and sing, we're going to be given thanks. But we would give him so much greater thanks if you would give your life to Christ. And so we want to invite you. There will be pastors standing down at the end of each aisle. And they'll, they'll talk with you. They'll pray with you. They'll answer your questions and share scripture with you. If you have another spiritual decision that you need to make tonight, or you just need to pray with one of our pastors, we invite you to come as well. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to stand together and respond to the Lord. Our Father and our God, we thank you for guiding us tonight as we have prayed together. We thank you that you have heard our cries. And Lord, in a thousand different prayers tonight, I know that you have been pleased. You have said, without faith, it is impossible to please you. And these men and women here tonight have called on you in faith, and I know that blesses you. And so, Almighty God, would you receive our prayers as weak and as frail as we are. Though our heart fail us, we know that God, that you, Almighty God, you hear us when we call on you. And Father, now we wish to give thanks as we respond to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.